0: Hey, Mothership listeners, I'm coming at you solo piloting the Mothership this week. We are in the middle of a very busy time of year here at USA Today, and so we are sharing with you one of our favorite episodes on repeat before we become an all-Star Wars, all-the-time podcast essentially for the rest of the year. So while Brian and Brett are absent, I'm here to introduce you to one of my favorite episodes, which is when we all talked about fans versus critics, which we thought would be really good to re-listen to right before The Rise of Skywalker comes out. Obviously, when The Last Jedi premiered, there was a lot of controversy. There was the Rotten Tomatoes meltdown of the audience score versus the critics score. There was a lot of hatred uh, driven at uh, Ryan Johnson, who was the director of that, and a lot of Different hate directed at different parts of that movie, different races, women, and it was all a big mess. And then there's also a more fundamental, less hateful question about what do fans deserve and want out of their art and what do critics have to say about it? So we want to re-listen to what we said about that a while ago, and it's definitely questions we're going to be revisiting when the movie comes out. So we hope you enjoy this repeat as you are doing any kind of holiday shopping, or any kind of cozying under a blanket to hide from the cold and we will be back next week, all three of us in the studio to talk about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. We will have two episodes back to back about the movie. The first one, as usual, will be a spoiler free episode. Our general thoughts and reactions without getting into any big plot points that will be on that Friday of release. The week after, we will head to spoiler town. I'm trying to do it without Brian here. And then we will be talking about the best and worst stuff of the year. So stick with us. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as as we do and we'll see you next week
1: in the great halls of usa today we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds brett molina i'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast <laughs> kelly lawler
0: i will fight you on it
1: brian truitt
0: spoiler town
1: <laughs> together they form the mothership
2: their mission is to harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms, to dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership, saving
1: the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All Aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us. And happy Friday. We have someone back on the crew, everybody.
2: Yay.
1: Yay. Yay. Let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I cover tech. And I podcast for the fans, not the critics.
2: I'm Brian Truitt, film critic and entertainment writer. And I podcast for everybody.
0: I'm Kelly Lawler, TV critic. And I podcast for the critics, not the fans. I'm just kidding.
2: We always podcast
1: for you guys. Come on now. If this is your first time listening to The Mothership, welcome. New episodes come out every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen to podcasts. Um, if you happen to be on Apple, we would love if you could write us a quick review about the show. You'll not only help other people who love nerdy pop culture find us, but as a thank you, a special bonus, we will give you a shout out on the show. You'll be super famous. Maybe you'll get a cameo in a TV show. We can't promise that, but it's possible. Don't be a stranger. Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward, too. We love your feedback. We use it a lot on our show, so it's always super welcome. Don't forget, too, not only can you leave us a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Pod. You can email us to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. This week, we're going to tackle a current debate and controversy in the film world, or maybe it's just on film Twitter. It might just be everywhere, honestly. Fans versus critics. This topic made the biggest news when Star Wars The Last Jedi hit theaters in December got rave reviews but sunk in the audience ratings on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Something inside me has always been there. But now it's awake.
2: And I need help.
1: I've seen this raw strength only once before. It didn't scare me enough then.
2: Us now.
1: But this also comes up when audiences are fans like a movie and critics don't, and is even something filmmakers might say to combat bad reviews. You know, we made this movie or this TV show or this video game for the fans, not for the critics, blah blah. So we came at this topic when one of our listeners tweeted at us, this is what they wrote. I would love to listen to Mother Shepod discuss movies with big differences between Rotten Tomatoes, Tomato Meter, and Audience Score. What movies do critics hate but audiences love, and vice versa. Special thanks, by the way, to Zachary Weinstein at Ski Rock 11 for the idea. Greatly appreciate it. It was really cool. And we're so glad we can tackle this this week. So let's get to it. Uh, We'll start with Kelly since she's been gone a while. Why do you think this keeps coming up?
0: I think that, you know, we talked about a lot about fan culture in the past few months on this podcast. And I think this is something that's always been around, but I think it comes up a lot more now that we have social media and we also have these public ways of rating movies and TV, but mostly movies. So that there there seems to be some way to quantify how audiences feel about something other than the box office. And, you know, obviously we have, we put a lot of emphasis on Rotten Tomatoes critic scores for movies these, these days too. So I think that it's just something that has always been there, but it's just so much more accessible now. And, you know, it starts getting reported as news and then you're like, did everyone hate The Last Jedi? No, it made quite a bit of money at the box office, but there's certainly something there, be it trolls trying to tank the rating or be it longtime fans who weren't happy with the way that this was done. And I think it's something that we have to take within degrees, but it's definitely something worth talking about.
1: Brian, what's your reasoning for why we keep hearing about this?
2: I think there's an overall thing of tribalism in, in pop culture, politics, everything. And with social media, everybody feels like they're a critic anyway. People, you know, it's, there's always been bad movies. There's always good movies, you know, kind of sometimes people don't agree. But I think now people, people you know, they put their flag down and their opinion on something and they don't see anybody else's opinion or the bad side of things. They're just like, this is good. I love this. You know, F you all for not liking it.
1: I think part of it, too, yeah, I think there's, like, a little bit of an ownership stake in something, especially if you see trailers and you really, really like it or you really want it to be good. Mm-hmm. Like, you just kind of want to stand on that ground no matter what. So it's tough when you see a critic take something that you think is going to be really good and say, well, it's pretty bad and it sucks and all this other stuff. And so you kind of – in a lot of times want to kind of retrench and be like, no, this is great. You're wrong. Um, and, you know – I. It, it, and it's also hard to quantify, too. Like, you know, I think sometimes movies over time or TV shows or games might be better than critics gave it credit for. And I think that happens from time to time. But I do think a lot of it is more about you see something you really like and you want it to be good. And it's kind of hard to hear sometimes when people whose opinion you value say that it's not as good as you think. Um, But it shouldn't change, like, if you like it or not. I mean, if you like it, that's cool. And don't, you know, you have to put too much pressure on that. But I think that's where a lot of it comes from.
0: Yeah, and I think also part of the problem is the way that Hollywood has changed over the past few years. And, you know, people's viewing habits have changed and technology has changed. So there's so much competition for movies in general from... Staying at home and watching something on Netflix, staying at home and playing a video game, going to the park with your family, et cetera, et cetera. So to get people into the seats, every movie now is this like event movie. You know, like, you know, that's why superhero movies are so big right now, because if you're going to spend the $14 or however much it costs to go to your local Cineplex, it has to be really worth it. I was um, away for quite some time. Parviv was on vacation with my family. And my parents talked about how they they went to see uh, The Spy Who Dumped Me. And they had no idea what it was about. And they just kind of did it because they heard it was a comedy. And they're like, why not? I just feel like almost no one does that anymore. When you're going to the movies, you're investing time and money. There isn't really a sense of discovery anymore. It's almost like going to a concert for your favorite artist. It's a sense of confirmation. You want to see what you already know, but better. It isn't casual anymore. The way that Hollywood is, they've cut out a lot of mid-budget films, although maybe the success of something like Crazy Rich Asians will help change that a little bit. But when they're only like tiny Oscar indies, that's, I think, for a lot of people feel like work to go to see. And then giant movies, um, people expect them all to be perfect all the time because you know our emotions about movie going have changed it's not a casual experience anymore
2: well and i think studios are weaponizing fans too i think Mm -hmm. you know if they've got like some august release that they know sucks but they got to still market it somehow and they don't have a peter travers quote or some you know rando tv guy in like somewhere in in the world who went to the junk yeah went to the junket and gave him a a poll quote or something what they do is they go and, you know, they have word of mouth screenings and they pull from Twitter. Just rando people from Twitter. I don't know if people fall for it. They shouldn't because it's just like, I don't care what big guy 265 right. on Twitter thinks. If people do, that's fine. But, you know, the studios aren't aren't helping matters.
1: I think the other thing, and this taps into video games as well because there's a whole other hot mess with the way reviews and stuff like that go there too. But I think a lot of it too is how we view what is a good movie and a bad movie using these scoring systems. Mm -hmm. You know, with movies and TV, we have star ratings. With video games and with sites like Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 100-point scale. So sometimes you might see a four-star review and they extrapolate that into a number. And it might not exactly reflect what the critic thinks of the movie, but the way they have interpreted it is then displayed differently. Video games run into this a lot, where it's like, if they see a game that scores in the 80s, it's seen like it's an okay game. And some fans, if they if it's anything below like a 90, they revolt and they're angry Mm -hmm. because like this should be the best game ever and whatever. And I feel like that happens with movies, too, where you can take a you can take a rating on a movie and you turn it into a score that maybe doesn't accurately reflect what you think of the movie. Um, Also, I think being this hundred point scale, a lot of us tend to visualize this stuff with school. So it's exactly. like if we see a 90, it's an A. If we see a 70, it's a C. So if we see this movie in the 70s, we're like, oh, it's it's kind of bad. And you're like, actually, 70 pretty good. It's still a good movie. It's just not this great Oscar worthy, like must see movie. You know, I think that and, and some of that might be on critics where it's like having the freedom to use the full scale. But then you run into the problem with fans that get angry if you don't score it a certain way or if it doesn't fit their perspective.
0: Right, like if I'm going to give a movie like an F, like I would have gotten in school, or like our TV show, like Brian and I would use like like a one star or a no star. Right, like you use the whole scale where school you only use fifty to hundred, and so I think that totally throws people up. And I also think people don't totally understand how Rotten Tomatoes works. It is not an average of critics' scores. Um, it is ha- it is the percentage of critics who thought it was good. So you know you could get something with like a ninety nine percent Rotten Tomatoes and every critic could have given it like a 51 out of 100. So it could, it, could, it could be a very consistently fine movie, but not the greatest movie of all time. And I mean, that, that's like a you know a statistically wild example. It probably That probably hasn't happened, but you know what I mean? It just, it indicates something that I don't think people take it as. I think they take it as like, this is how, the Rotten Tomatoes score is how well the movie scored out of 100. And it really represents, you know, a lot of people thought this movie was good. A lot of people thought this movie was bad.
2: Well, and I think Rotten Tomatoes should be used as like Wikipedia where, you know, look at Rotten Tomatoes for an overall broad view of like what people thought of it. And then from there, you get your own kind of few critics that you like. Don't always trust Rotten Tomatoes because it is not supposed to be the end all be all. It is supposed to be an aggregate of everybody.
0: Yeah, and I think that people sometimes treat critics as, like, scientists. Like, they're like, oh, this is a good movie or a bad movie. But you should treat them like your friends. It's like, you know, you have the one friend who you always agree on movies with, and maybe, like, your dad has terrible taste in movies from your perspective. The best thing to do is to find a critic who you usually agree with, because that's a good wait to judge whether you're going to like a movie or not you know like if you generally don't like superheroes maybe brian isn't the the movie critic for you if you don't like musicals i'm not the tv critic for you like
1: but that gets to another point which is criticism isn't objective it's subjective it's all within whoever is watching the show or playing the game or watching the movie you can't there's no scientific like result that should come out of this based on whatever it's just the person watching it and what they thought of it and that's that's as far as you're going with it um are there specific movies or tv shows that you think divide critics and fans the most is it a type of genre is it an actor what are there factors that go into what makes (laughs) the reactions to these movies (laughs) divisive
2: yeah it goes back to that tribalism thing i think you know zack snyder fans or christopher nolan fans are very, very vociferous about their fandom for, for such people. They go and they seek out somebody, like, you know, talking smack about them, so they go to war. It's like 300, you know, and, I, <laughs> and so I, I think, I think there, is that, there is a lot of that, you know, and I think people just need to chill out.
1: I remember there was this Legend of Zelda game a long time ago for, from Nintendo where it was highly rated. There was an outlet that rated it, like, an 88, and everyone was, like, five-star everything, and people were like... Online equivalent of pitchfork and torches, like protesting because they were so angry. It's very—I forget the exact Zelda title, but it was a very infamous. Like, rating.
0: It's like it's almost any movie that, or TV show or game that comes with a like pre-knowledge of it, where it's an adaptation or it's part of a franchise or a series or it's a reboot or it's a revival. Anything that isn't that you already know about and you already have an opinion about. Studios aren't releasing as many new original idea movies anymore that attract a wide audience so you know I feel like this is not going to be a real problem with say Moonlight you know or like La La Land Uh, but it is a problem with almost every other movie because you know the mid-budget movie that is coming to mind right now is Crazy Rich Asians that was based on a book you know what I mean so lots of people really and like that was like a big deal for like representation in Hollywood lots of people really wanted that to succeed Um, the lower stakes stuff is like coming out on Netflix and nobody's like paying that much attention unless it's like a really big breakout hit.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, so what are the movies? This is the fun part of the podcast right away where we kind of pick the movies that we like, that fans didn't like, and then vice versa. Let's start with the movies that we love that fans hated. My obvious pick is Last Jedi. I, by the way, we're not going to litigate the Last Jedi stuff. (laughs) We've because done it before. <laughs> there's yeah, we've done it before, first off, and there's like eight months of stuff on the internet that has litigated this to death. And I think the last thing we want to do is torture you with more of this stuff. But I really like The Last Jedi. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. There were a lot of memorable moments and I thought it was great. Uh Brian, do you have a pick for a movie that you love that fans didn't?
2: Well, there's a whole subgenre. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the like the indie horror movies, like it follows and the witch and it comes at night. You know, well crafted films that audiences aren't going to like. You know, I think It Comes at Night got like a 43. The Witch was like at 57. Um, It Follows was at 66, which is like decently high. Audiences aren't going to like those because you're not really supposed to and, you know, quote, unquote, enjoy them. You know, they're supposed to be things that, like, that immerse you in, like, a sort of darkness and are about, you know, humanity and mankind and kind of, like, you know, it's something to explore and kind of, like, freak you out a bit and then kind of leave you shook, like a horror movie should. But I think people people are more liable to give, like, you know, Friday the 13th Part 40, you know, a better score because, you know, Jason gets hacked, you know, Jason hacks a bunch of people to death or something. Those are the things where I'm just, like, I don't I don't understand what audiences really want. These are great films. They're not supposed to be enjoyable. There's still, you know, some artistic credit in them. Kelly, what
1: can you think of a movie or even a TV show where you love it and the critics didn't? Or no, love I mean it. the fans didn't. And the
0: fans didn't. I mean, I think this is both fans and critics because it tanked at the box office. I liked that Baywatch movie with The Rock that no one liked. I thought it was funny. Um uh, Maybe that means I'm the least mature person in the room. <laughs>
1: Okay, I'm throwing this one out there because I thought of you the second I saw it. Carol has a 94 on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's a 73 with fans.
2: Oh. I mean, 73 is decently high. 73 it's is still good.
1: High. Yeah, but yeah. the gap is pretty—I was pretty surprised. So what about the picks that you love that critics hated? My pick, Tango and Cash, which is an action movie from 1989 with Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone— and it's kind of like an odd couple, but buddy cop movie. So Sylvester Stallone's this straight buttoned up cop, and then Kurt Russell's the more laid back dude. Um, but it's a really fun, fantastic uh, buddy cop film. It's got a 33 on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience score is 52, so I think everybody is wrong here. I don't they remember. are wrong, because that is classic. It is an absolute classic movie. It's one of, I think it's one of Stallone's best films. Uh, Brian, what is your movie you love that critics didn't?
2: Uh Mine is Across the Universe which is a uh, kind of a musical drama thing based on Beatles tunes which was actually original it's not it's not like based on some like weird Broadway show although I'm surprised it hasn't gone to Broadway. Yeah I don't even like Beatles music that much but I I love how it's all used kind of like to tell a story and everything. So the audience, audience rating for that is like 78 and critic rating is 58 which is surprising cuz it's it's really again it's it's really well done. It uses the music in a in a cool way. It's not it's not earth shattering, but for what it is, it's really kind of neat. And so I'm am surprised that the critic rating is that low.
1: Kelly, what's your pick?
0: Uh, my pick is But I'm a Cheerleader, which I think falls into this like subgenre of things that critics really hated when they came out and then become cult classics. Blade Runner, I think, didn't get good reviews when it came out and that kind of thing. Uh, but I'm a Cheerleader is like this classic lesbian movie that is like a satire of gay reprogramming camps this girl who like whose parents force her to go to one of those things and then it's like it's so over the top the girls can only wear pink the boys can only wear blue uh, RuPaul's in it he has been cured of his gayness right as and he's a counselor he hasn't been cured um <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually like this really great love story and Natasha Leon and Clay Duval are in it and it's you know now like well, probably on the list of all like the best LGBTQ movies of all time but it has a 35% tomato meter score when it came out in 2000 and I think it's also when you first watch it if you don't know the community as well like the satire might come off as stupid as opposed to really like smart and biting which it is as people have learned more about those issues and that community I think it's become so much funnier over time
1: mm-hmm. Okay, one last question before we wrap up: Is this this problem with the gaps in in the way critics and fans view things? Is this just something that needs to be fixed? Is this something we just have to deal with in this era with Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic and all this other stuff?
2: Fact of life, it's what it is. Since the dawn of like Hollywood and everything, there's gonna there's always gonna be you know kind of a, a disparate thing that, that critics love things, audience love things. I mean, I I, I could do without as much social media banging on about it and all the tribalism and stuff it goes back to like you know you find a critic who like has you know has your vibe so go with them you know but but again everybody needs to just own their own their own love again they don't have to tweet everything about it and get get mad at people you know it's it's cool to own your own opinion on something you just maybe don't have to be like shout it all the time
1: kelly what did what do you think
0: I would keep a cautious eye on it because Hollywood has a long history of learning the wrong lessons from uh, their results, be they good or bad. You know, Deadpool did so well. So they were like, let's make all superhero movies R-rated right now. And the reason Deadpool did really well is because it was different. You know what I mean? Like Guardians of the Galaxy did really well. Let's put a 70s soundtrack on every movie. So I think if this starts to influence what kind of movies are getting made in a really negative way, then I think it's something that like we could try to readdress and I don't know how we could fix it but then it would concern me right now I agree with Brian it's kind of just a fact of life but I just don't want Hollywood to be stupid because they can be really stupid
1: yeah I think ultimately it's just about being confident in what you like and don't like and that's it and I think as as long as you can go that route I think you're all good uh okay listeners your turn we want to hear from you um why do you think there's such a divide between fans and critics when it comes to certain movies or tv shows or games or anything um, have you ever really disagreed with critics on a movie or a TV show? Is there a movie that you love or a TV show you love that TV fans or movie fans didn't? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod. You can tweet at us directly. I'm at Brett Molina 23.
2: I'm at Brian Truitt.
0: And I'm at K-L-L-S, Klawls, K L A W L S.
1: And if you'd like to communicate with us the old-fashioned way, we've got email too. We're at MothershipPod at USA Today dot com. Uh, that'll do it this week thanks so much for listening special thanks to our pilots slash producers of the mothership this week Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd if you like the podcast don't want to miss an episode moving forward you can subscribe to the mothership for free on Apple Podcasts while you're there how about you leave us a rating for a review it helps other people find us and of course we're going to give you a shout out if you do um, if you don't use Apple Podcasts we're also on SoundCloud Stitcher pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts you will find us uh, thanks again until next Friday nerds out
2: later bye